Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Well, the war words between uh, the Chinese government and uh, well, just about everybody else, I guess, uh, continues, especially uh, to do with uh, Huawei and what's going on with the 5G network. Uh, and not just with, ha- with Canada. We're going to get into that in just a couple of seconds, but also U.S. relations and uh, the U.K. as well. Uh, the ambassador to uh, the U.K., for the Chinese ambassador, Lu Jiamin, had some pretty strong words for uh, Boris Johnson and the, uh, the British government just the other day. Here's what he had to say. If we make China an enemy, China will become an enemy. So we want to be your friend. We want to be your partner. But if you want to make China a hostile country, you have to bear the consequences. Strong words uh, and the same basic message that I guess that we're getting from the Canadian or by the Canadian government, of course, from the Chinese. Uh, a rather, uh, well, difficult relationship between a, a superpower and a, and a country like Canada that's trying to find their way. But what's going to have a major impact on that is going to be the decision about what they're going to do with 5G. Uh, Elliot Tepper joins us to talk about this. Elliot, of course, is Professor Emeritus at uh, Carleton University in Political Science and always a, a great guest and welcome guest here on the program. Elliot, how are you doing these days? Well, I'm fine, Bill. Uh, sheltering at home and uh, trying to enjoy the summer. I hope you've got air conditioning. Uh, it's it's pretty pretty close up here, just about every place these days, uh, and and it's getting pretty hot between the Chinese government and just about everybody else. I mean, LA, these guys, whether it's the UK, whether it's Canada, certainly you know the Chinese U.S. relations are pretty cool these days as well. Uh, very chilled, as a matter of fact. Uh, it seems to be a government that's flexing its muscle. Uh, but at the same time, as, as the, the, the ambassador just said, they quote-unquote want to be our friends. Can we buy that argument? We're kind of stuck, the whole world. And one of the interesting things is the list of countries you mentioned. That is, now we all have to find a way to deal with the China that increasingly is being seen differently than it was not long ago. In fact, uh, perhaps justifiably so. We had a rising China, and... They were saying all along, look, uh, uh, I, I happened to be there at the end of the great proletarian cultural revolution, a nightmare for the country and potentially for the world. The following set of leaders said, we're not going to be like that. We want to do peaceable rise. We want to join the status quo, be part of it. We want to be partners. They had collective leadership and under uh, Deng Xiaoping. They had an, uh, an enormous change in economic direction to the point where they are now the second largest and some say the first largest economy in the world. But one of the things they also are is extremely modern. That is, they have really advanced their society uh, in in a very short time period. And just as this acceleration toward modernity and prosperity was happening, they got a new political leader, and that's Xi Jinping, 2012, and he has really decided to capitalize on China's role in the world, which was cooperative. Let's be, let's join the WTO. Uh, we'll be big supporters of the UN. We'll, we will be partners on, well, for example, pandemic research. And, uh, they were, they were going to be global partners uh, as part of a peaceable rise. Xi Jinping is saying, we, we have risen. We've had a period of humiliation. Now we're into a period of rejuvenation. And by 2050, we're going to be the foremost, foremost power on earth, and all the levers of state will be put to that end. And we are seeing that includes their use of uh, their, um, 
you have a term, an old-fashioned term, mercantilism, the use of private enterprise for imperial and overseas uh, expansion. Back in the days of the Cold War, we feared the Russians for a variety of reasons and for very solid reasons. But the threat there, Elliot, usually was of, of a military uh, feeling. You know that you know they wanted to take over. Well, they did take over a good deal of Eastern Europe, and there was a concern about that. You know, we will bury you and Khrushchev and all of this sort of stuff. China is different. I mean, the 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 strong arming and the bullying that they seem to be trying to do these days is 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 from an economic standpoint, uh, which is far more egregious because it can have much more of a dramatic effect on on well Canada, for instance, and, and many other countries. Well, the fact that it's Canada and many other countries, I think, is the key to moving forward. We have individually, country by country, state by state, issue by issue, been dealing with China, in a sense, bilaterally. So we have certainly real issues. And that takes us to Huawei, and it takes us to the not just the two Michaels, but others that are imprisoned in China. But it also points out the lack of of a sense of unity uh, among those states that are having to face this bilateral change in behavior by China, one after the other after the other. Uh, Australia, for example, is facing severe pressure right now, uh, similar to our own, and. UK, as you just quoted, you know, has to make a, a key choice. If we do not hang together, we are going to be hung separately. The Chinese are taking advantage of their genuine strides, their genuine advantages to now move uh, to translate economic uh, power into military and political uh, power. And if we do not see this as a collective issue, it's going to be very difficult to deal with the rise of China. So how, why are we not doing that? I mean, I, I'm assuming that uh, the Chinese circumstances is a discussion point every time the, the G7 leaders get together and start talking about this sort of thing. But you're right, individually, uh, Canada, Germany, Australia are all getting uh, some grief from China right now. I mean, China's trying to get Germany on side, obviously, with their 5G stuff, and they're threatening the auto industry in Germany, which is going to be somewhat problematic, of course, if they decide to follow through. You know the kind of things that they're doing here. Why don't we collectively, as, as, for instance, the G7 entity, just stand up and say, we're not taking this anymore? I think part of it is that China is just really coming into focus in a way that they were not in the past. I think not long ago, there was a generally vague view of China and vaguely benign uh, during the period of let's all be partners in the growth of, uh, of a prosperous China as part of a prosperous world. When they were being cooperative, uh, now they're coming increasingly, almost day by day, into focus as this is a communist party in charge and under the... Uh, really the cult of, of uh, personality, cult of leadership. They used to have collective leadership. Now Xi Jinping is the paramount leader. Xi Jinping, <laughs> Xi Jinping thought is now in the Constitution. He can rule forever. So this one-man rule within a communist party state, which is operating on a kind of a unified uh, fashion of, be, of leveraging what they've got to become a global power, that's a fairly new image. And we are, we're running behind in how to deal with it. And, of course, in each case, Bill, we have, we have each country has their own particular issues to deal with. Mm-hmm. We have not just the two Michaels, and those are first in our minds, uh, but we also have Hussein Chalil, who's a Uyghur Canadian. And, oh, no, now let's take a look at that issue. China's not only dealing with its neighbors in an increasingly militaristic and, and bullying fashion, uh, 
and we could go around the whole region and talk about that. But domestically, they're also getting increasingly authoritarian, even more so than in the recent past. There was, a, in a sense, a, a flowering of uh, civil society. And political science says when you have a, a, a new rising middle class, it will push toward democracy. It needs a space. It needs a voice. All of that was happening, and all of that is now being pushed back against inside China as well as around its perimeter. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. You raise an interesting point, and I was going to ask you about that. I'm glad you brought it up. Did we naively assume that as China became more modern and, and, uh, and adopted some of the, the things that they've learned, that they were going to be, be leaning towards democracy? Because it's not happening. I'm not sure it was naive. It was um, an assumption based on history that this reclusive, inward-looking, hostile state was willing to turn uh, its face to the world, join the WTO. It would join the international network of, of multilateral arrangements and agreements, and it would become much more of a normal state. And that was also the view we've talked about Hong Kong, you and I, over a long period now. And that was the view in 1997 that, well, once the kind of dynamic uh, global city of Hong Kong it became much more so after 97, in effect. So once that happened, then that would infect mainland of China, and China would, would see the benefits of it in a rules-based order where an independent judiciary and a vigorous civil society would really be good for the country. That would spread from Hong Kong into China. But now we've seen that China has made sure it's going to go the other way. Uh, and, and we're all dealing with the consequences of Indeed. that. I mean, there's, there's always been the concerns. People of Hong Kong, of course. Yeah, human rights violations, a number of things going on like that. But I, I just got the sense that, that we just assumed that these guys were going to, you know, see the light uh, of democracy and this sort of thing and, and in that way. But uh, it, it hasn't happened that way. Uh, and as you say, they've almost taken a giant step back. And as much as they progress so many different ways economically and and and, uh, and from a technological standpoint, uh, we're almost back to the days of Mao Zedong. I mean, you know, we're just, it's just one leader who's calling all the shots here, yeah. uh, who has has a pretty good idea about what he wants to see his country do and where he wants them to be in the world order. Yes, and the, that's a referring to the Maoist uh, period. The world also thought. We don't really need this hostile, inward-looking, revolutionary, we hate everybody and we're going to overthrow capitalism. And that whole kind of, um, of a matrix of uh, hostility and an aggressive state based on Maoist, Marxist-Leninist principles, all of that, that all went away. And we suddenly had a much more positive view. And they were behaving in a different way. And, and they, you know, give, give China full marks. They brought, as, as saying, hundreds of millions of people, uh, people have been brought out of poverty. Uh, and they became, you know, a state that everybody around the world could deal with. And in fact, Beijing is trying to insist on it with their Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, they are trying to see to it that all sea lanes and land lanes, that literally all roads lead to Beijing. Now we're seeing that in a different light as well. Where's this going to go in a situation like you know we we start talking about Huawei obviously and 5G. 
Canada, in all likelihood, is, is going to say thanks but no thanks to, to Huawei when it comes to 5G, uh, just as the U.K. did. I mean, initially they kind of let them, you know, get a foot in the door, but it, Boris Johnson's kind of backed off on that, and it looks like they're probably going to make that go away by the end of this year. Uh, and Australia's already made up their decision or made up their mind about this, right. so has the United States, all of the Five Eyes. And Canada, really, Elliot, doesn't have any choice but to follow their lead, do they? Well, no, because... Remember, we're part of something called Five Eyes, where the democracies share intelligence at a high yeah. level, and the U.S. has said if any country that, that's in Huawei can't be part of Five Eyes, we cannot give up on that. But I think one thing that's been underestimated in the comments so far is that we, in effect, have had our hostages, uh, their, their lives, their future, and it's just not just the two Michaels, although that's the most prominent. Uh, as long as the hostage diplomacy is hanging over any particular government of the day's decision, that has to be some kind of a containing factor in deciding uh, yes or no. And I think Canada has been, in a sense, signaling to China, where you're not going to say yes or no to Huawei till this issue with our prisoners are is resolved. I, I suspect that's been part of the um, conversation or the understanding about what's going on. But that can't go on indefinitely now that the U.S. in particular has made it clear no five eyes. Uh, if you have Huawei, and we'll have to join in on that. But even if they do that, I mean, if the two Michaels were released today, Elliot, uh, that really wouldn't change Canada's decision about five about five G, would it? Well, it, it, it's by the time. Let's put it this way: we need our prisoners home. Uh, this is totally unjust, totally uncalled for, and it has helped, Canada has helped lead to the reevaluation of the role of China that we, you and I have been discussing now. What China truly is all about today under this current leadership of Xi Jinping has come into po focus in part, not solely, in part because Canada has led a global campaign. The one thing we're really good at is multilateralism and coalition building. And so the EU has backed us, for example. Uh, so the, the face of China that we see today in part has been affected by Canada's campaign to get our people out um, and then it turns out other countries have had hostage diplomacy and you know korea and japan and maybe sweden and other countries and australia so now we we do have a role to play in telling china we can help a reputational cost as you lay claim to global leadership just when you want to say hey the u.s doesn't want to lead we're willing to lead such China. We deserve to lead, and uh, Canada is playing its role, uh, and other countries are also doing their part. And we now have an American election, which in part is going to be fought on which candidate, which party is most hostile to China. So China is coming into the crosshairs um, as to the, because of the kind of regime they are. But it's it's meanwhile, and Canada has a role to play in that. But meanwhile, our people remain in prison. <sighs> But can we even have a candid conversation with the Chinese about uh, well, security, for instance? Um, you know, let's face it, the underlying concern about Huawei is the fact that, with, you know, they're in bed with the Chinese government. And, and you know, there's the concern about spying and, and the impact that Huawei already has in this country. You know, the number of, uh, of universities where they've invested lots and lots of money in research chairs. And, of course, that's information that they're taking. Uh, TikTok, the social media platforms in the news this week, as we've all heard. And yes. I saw the thing the other day that if it's on TikTok, that means the Chinese government 
government knows about it too, because they are yeah. they're using them as an as a, as a another platform for for you know getting information and, and intelligence on other people. How can you trust a government like that when you know that they are overtly doing this on a daily basis? We are just again we are just beginning to realize the scope and dimensions of the Xi Jinping approach to the use of Chinese power. Now that it's coming increasingly clear, yes, uh, my colleagues who study this closely said long ago, stay away from TikTok, they're dangerous. Uh, but can you stay away with Huawei? They spent over $650 million in Canada, and the, the, uh, they pledge, look, we are separate, they say. We are separate. We will do anything you want. The head of Canada's uh, Huawei uh, cor- Corporation said, put us to any test you want. We will go through anything you say we need to do. But it's no longer a safe bet that Huawei can be independent or ever was independent of the Chinese state. And the Chinese state is increasingly inimical to Western values and Western interests and also to uh, uh, Western uh, um, views of how the world ought to work well we'll see when the next shoe drops here and it's probably going to be sooner than later when that canadian government makes this announcement about huawei hopefully in the next couple of days elliot as always thank you so much for this great to get your perspective on this uh hopefully we'll talk again soon oh you're very welcome bill and uh let's see be kind be calm be safe exactly and be cool (laughs) (laughs) elliot thanks so much elliot elliot tepper of course from uh, carlton university The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.